Today, you are going to be hearing a sermon from one of our ministers here on staff. We hope this word blesses you, and remember that we love and appreciate your time here. Now, let's hear what the Lord has for you today. Again, welcome you, those watching on our live stream, amen. We were up there for like a week, amen. We made a lot of good connections. There's already people that want to come to the church, amen, families and stuff. Another ministry blessed me with the computer for we can do the screens and everything like that. A brand new computer, you know, so, so God is moving. Just keep us in prayer because we still need a building, amen. Uh, but it's good to be back home with the worship, with the familiar faces, amen. Uh, uh, so if you're taking notes, amen, tonight, amen, I, I titled this, You Are Appointed. You Are Appointed. Because how many know we're already in the end of February, Amen. And somebody, when we came into January, everybody was like, God, I want more. God, I know you called me. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Now, here we find ourselves going to the end of February, and some are still in the same place as they were when January began. Amen. So, so we're going to look at that. Amen. I thank my pastor, Pastor Reuben, amen, for the opportunity to come and minister. Amen. And for everything he does for us. Amen. But uh, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures, but I'm going to start off in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5 and 10. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and approved you as my chosen instrument. And before you were born, I consecrated you to myself as my own. I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Then I said, ah, Lord, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a young man. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a young man, because everywhere I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Verse 8, do not be afraid of them or their hostile faces, for I am with you always to protect you and deliver you, says the Lord. Verse 9, then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Verse 10, See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to uproot and break down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Let's pray. Father, we're careful to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise, Lord. I, I thank you, God, for the opportunity to minister your word. Father, I pray I step aside and use me tonight, God, to transmit your word. Holy Spirit, we give you liberty to do what only you can do, not what we think you should do, God. But God, we give you all our attention tonight, Father. We ask this in your son's precious name. And everyone said, amen and amen. So here he says, I have appointed you. And then the prophet tries to make an excuse. And he says, man, I'm only a young man. And the Lord says, don't say that. Because how many of you know, sometimes when we know we're called, we want to make excuses. Oh, God, you picked the wrong person, amen. Oh, God, I'm still struggling. And so God says the same thing, like, like, be quiet. Don't say that no more. I appointed you. How many know he doesn't make mistakes? Look at your neighbor and say, he doesn't make mistakes. Your mama might have told you you were a mistake. Your daddy might have told you. But I'm here to let you know tonight that God appointed you. You are not a mistake. He has something for you to do. Amen. And we're going to look at that tonight. I want to read also Psalms chapter 4 verse 3 from the message translation. It says, look at this. Look who got picked by God. 
He listens the split second I call to him. He's like amazed. Look at this. Look who got picked by God. And some of us need to stay with that mindset, grateful. God, look at when nobody else picked me, you picked me. Not only did you pick me, you appointed me to do something great for you. The NLT uh, version of Psalms 4.3 says, you can be sure of this. The Lord set apart the godly for himself. This says the Lord will answer when I call to him. And then Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So every one of us here has something to do. And sometimes we don't understand that. And when you don't understand that, uh, what happens is we let time go by. How many know when you understand God created you for something great, you become intentional. You, you do things on purpose, not good intentions. Everybody has good intentions here. Oh, God, just use me. That's good intentions. But what are you doing intentionally for God to use you? See, kingdom assignments come in all sizes. And, and when we understand we've been called and we've been appointed, all of a sudden there's an anointing that God gives us to accomplish that task. But if you're here and you don't know, you're like, God, I don't feel like anything. When you find your purpose, there's an anointing God places on you to that you can continue to do what God's assigned you to do. And so if you miss the assignment and you will miss out on all the resources that come from that assignment. If God's called you to take a city and you're not answering the call of God, you're going to miss all the resources that God wanted to give you to go and take that city. Now, here, you, I mean, you all know they prayed for me and Pastor Anthony, you know, to go and start our thing. So that means there's opportunity. You have Pastor Sandoval here. You got other people, but there's opportunity for you to rise up. You're not called to fill our shoes. You're called to walk in your shoes because God appointed you. And so we're looking for men and women and couples and single people to say, I want to rise up because I know God has an assignment for me. Because too many times we want to come and say, oh, man, I can't do that. I've been doing this 41 years. You should have seen me in the beginning. People would be scratching their head like, are you sure he's called to preach? You know? But I had to walk in my own shoes. Just like you here, there's opportunity. Who's going to be the next ushers? Who's going to be the next children workers? Who's going to be the next people that say, Pastor, whatever you need me to do. Who's going to be the next Bible studies, amen, online that are going to fill our place? Assignments. And once you miss it, it's very hard to regain the same level. God says, now's the time. We're already going to the end of February. How many are still in the same place they were when they ended last year? Because maybe it's because you don't understand you have an assignment. How many know obedience is always better than sacrifice? The enemy wants to keep us in routine mode. And the routine may get it done, but it'll be without the anointing. It'll be without the insight. It'll be without the revelation. I'll just come to church and stand in my post. But God has more for you, amen. You come prayed up. You come, God, just show me that one person I have the opportunity to minister to or encourage. But a routine will say, just show up. Just pay your tithes. You don't need an anointing. Just do what God, you already know how to do it. 
I mean, no, sometimes we function like that. I know how to do church already. And you're good at it. But where's the anointing? We need men, women, couples that are filled with the anointing of God, amen, that when people walk into the church, the presence of God, all of a sudden just falls on them. They're like, man, I feel God in that place. You see, kingdom assignments require less physical effort, but they require higher levels of anointing, higher levels of anointing. Higher levels of insight, higher levels of revelation, higher level of transformation, which Christ will release into our lives once we accept the responsibility for our assignment. There's some people here still questioning God. God, did you make a mistake? And God is saying, no, you just got to take a step into what I called you to do. Oh, but I don't know how to teach. It doesn't matter. Just keep going forward and God would begin to uh, give you understanding in his word. When I, I never thought I could teach, I never thought I could preach, but I kept saying yes. God, they say you got a call for me. When I first got saved, I said, oh, the pastors tell everybody that, right? That's their job. But then when I started understanding, like, man, you know what, God? Man, I feel it inside. I'm all messed up. I'm struggling, God, but I'm never going to say no. I'm going to say yes to your assignment. So I kept saying yes. You want to volunteer in the nursery? I said yes. I hated every minute of it, (laughs) watching babies. I took my kids to church. That way I can get a break, and I ended up taking care of kids. Get them in headlock. Your mama ain't going to pick you up. You got to remember, that was like 41 years ago, okay? It's not now, man. (laughs) But I kept saying yes. How many of us say no when they ask you, hey, we need help. Can you come and help? And then all of a sudden you say, well, let me pray on it. You know where your assignment is discovered as you volunteer in the church? Volunteer for whatever they need. Amen? Oh, no, no, just when they call me to preach, I'm ready. No, you're not. Preach to our children first in the children's ministry. And if you can get their attention, guess what? You'll be a great transmitter of God's word. If you can't, then, you know, I don't know, man, stay in there. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, for he does not withdraw what he has given, nor does he change his mind about those who he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. God's not going to change his mind because you keep arguing with him that he made a mistake. The call of God is irrevocable, amen? It doesn't matter how much you complain to God. God says, I didn't make a mistake, amen? You just got to learn to surrender to what God's called us to do. Too many of us fight God more than we fight the enemy. And then we wonder why we don't get breakthroughs. Look at your neighbor and say, man, somebody told him about you. I mean, no, there's nothing more discouraging than not knowing where you belong. People, if you don't know you got a call, you're going to come to our church, and then you're going to say, well, I don't feel a part of our church. It's because you don't understand you got a purpose. You don't understand there's an anointing uh, that on your life to do something specific. And the reason why you'll never feel a part of the church is because you never volunteer. And then you start saying they got favorites. 
They ain't got favors. You just got the ones that are volunteering, the ones that said, okay, whatever you need. Okay, let's, let's work together. That's what Jesus did. He had his three. He had his beloved. He had his 12. He had his disciples. He had the church. And then he had the sinners. And he, who did he use more? The ones that volunteered to help. Amen. So if you want to feel part of this church, you got to volunteer. Amen. Don't get mad at me now. Some of you mad dogging me. Amen. See, many of us don't want to give attention to our character. We just want the big assignments from God. God is saying, no, uh, I called you to do something great, but you got to take care of your character. Amen. Oh, I don't want to. I, I know what the word of God says. It doesn't matter if you know what the word of God says. How is your character? Amen. Because your gift will get you there, but how many know your character will keep you there? And, and we need men of God, especially in these last days, amen, that are anointed, that have character, amen, because this world has bad uh, examples of believers. How many know failure cannot happen to you without you giving it permission? It cannot happen. God says, I called you, and you keep saying no. So you're giving failure permission. You need to see what makes you different from others. In 1 Samuel 16, uh, verse 1, we have the story here of Saul that uh, the Lord rejected Saul. And he told him, take a vial of oil and go to uh, Jesse's house, for I selected one as there to be the next king. And if we all know the story, uh, Jesse had everybody in there but David. Jesse didn't see David's differences. Just like you here, not everybody's going to see you're different. Not everybody's going to know that God anointed you for a specific task, amen. That's up to you. So we, we find out in verse 9 through 13 of 1 Samuel 16 that, that the Lord came and it said, the Lord hasn't chosen anyone. And he says, is there anybody else? Oh, yeah, my, my other son, he's, he's a nobody. Amen. He's taking care of sheep. And the prophet said, send for him at once, for we will not sit down or eat until he comes. How many know that the Lord is standing waiting for you to come because he appointed you, because he selected you, amen? People may have overlooked you, but God's got something specifically for you to do. You're anointed. How many know you cannot be replaced? Your assignment can if you say no. If you lag on it, but you can't. Many people miss their assignment, and I'm going to bring up four things, because of ignorance. Ignorance. Meaning, uh, I don't know I was called. Right? I don't know I had a call. You know why ignorance is there? Because you don't read your word. So you're ignorant to the promises of God. You're ignorant. Oh, just, I want to come to church. Preach to me. And that's it. You go home, and that's it. Sunday, you come again, preach to me. You got to open up the word of God for you won't be ignorant. Amen. When the devil starts lying to you, the word of God says he's the father of all lies. Look at your neighbor. Tell him all lies. So if something is telling you you're not called, you're not chosen, how many know that that's a lie from the pits of hell? That only means that God's called you, God chose you, God set you apart to do something great for him. Ignorance. Not understanding yourself. Ignorance. Not knowing that the blood of Christ can give you breakthrough, amen, that, that can deliver you from bondage, can deliver you from habits. Oh, but I don't know what the word of God says. 
So I'm always going to be like this. I'm always going to struggle. I'm always going to battle. I'm always going to be messed up. How many know sometimes we think like that? You don't understand yourself. You're not knowing what you need. You don't know what you hate. You don't know what you love. Well, however I feel like today, I'm going to do it. If I feel like lusting today, I'm going to do it. If I feel like being spiritual today, I'm going to do it. You don't understand. You're, you're, you're ignorant. How many know God puts a passion inside of you when you are where you belong? There's a pat when, when you understand your purpose, there's a passion inside of you. Romans 12, 6 says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Amen. That means you got a passion to do it. It doesn't start off as a passion, amen, because like when I was in nursery, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have a passion for nursery. But God was teaching me love because I, I, I wouldn't accept it from adults. So he had to put me in the children. Have a kid sit in my lap and say, would you be my friend? Because I have no friends. My heart melted. I said, yes. I sized him up. He can't hurt me. So, yes, I'll be your friend, you know. But God needed to place me there for I can learn love. If I would have never volunteered there, I wouldn't be here today. Amen. So I want to encourage you that, that whatever we need help in, Volunteer. You might not like it, but God is shaping us and God is molding us. Amen. Don't be ignorant. We all have gifts. Let's go to number two because some of you are getting mad already. Partial obedience. Another thing that keeps us from doing what God's called us to do is partial obedience. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 4, it says, The Lord said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and I go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. It said in verse 4, So Abraham departed the Lord as the Lord has instructed, and Lot went with him. Partial obedience. He was there. Yes, God, I'm moving forward. I'm doing what you call me to do. God said, but I told you to leave all your relatives there. I mean, no, we want to carry stuff with us that's going to hinder us from doing what God's called us to do. Well, that's my BFF, right? That's my secret sister, man. Hello, somebody. How many know when you're out of your assignment, there will be conflict? He took him with him. He took Lot with him. But in Genesis 13, 5 through 9, it says that they were having problems. They were going together. Abraham's uh, workers, Lot's workers, started arguing together. And then in verse 8, it says, So Abraham said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mines, for we are close relatives. And he told him, Pick any part of the land you want to pick. See, there was trouble there. Whenever we don't listen to the, the Lord completely, oh, it's partial obedience, God. It's okay if I still cuss once a month. God, you're working on me. Yeah. It's okay if I have one smoke, one drink. Hello, somebody. How many know one wrong person in your life can delay you from your assignment? One wrong person. Lot was here and it delayed Abraham from his assignment. Because in Genesis 13, 14, and 17, it says, The Lord said to Abraham, after Lot left him, after Lot left him, he says, Now lift up your eyes and look into the place where you're standing, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see I will give you. Imagine that. 
after he let go of Lot, now the promise was coming to pass. Let me ask us a question. What do you have to let go for God's promises can be fulfilled in your life? Partial obedience. And sometimes we think, well, man, it's okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm still giving my best. Are we giving our best? When you listen to the wrong voice, it'll take you away from your assignment. <clears throat> How many believe that? Amen. Genesis 3, it just took one wrong voice in the garden to mess up Adam and Eve. Yes, sir. One wrong voice, the serpent. Right? And then what happened when they heard the wrong voice, partial obedience? What did Abraham do? He blamed his wife. I mean, not Abraham, but what did he do? Uh, Adam, he blamed Eve. Lord, it's the woman you gave me. Right? Before she came along, me and you were like this. Right? We would walk together in the garden. We had good fellowship. It was, it was on. But the woman you gave me, she took me away from you. That's basically what he was saying. I mean, we like to blame others for our partial obedience. If it wasn't for them, I'd be giving my all. If it wasn't for my spouse, if it wasn't for my relatives, if it wasn't for my children, I'd be giving everything. Let me give you some free 99. Jonah chapter 1, verse 3. It said, Jonah ran the opposite direction from the Lord, and he headed to Tarshish. Remember, the Lord told him to go and, and, and preach repentance to them. But the Bible says here in Jonah, it says, after paying a fare, he went on the boat and said, how I many know we're going to pay a price either way? Whether you're running from God, you're going to pay a price. Or if you're serving the Lord, you got to pay a price. Either way, you got to pay a price. Jonah listened to the wrong voice and went the opposite direction from what God called him to do. What voice are you listening to? The Holy Spirit that sends us to the right direction? Or we're listening to somebody that says, you know what? You don't have to give it all. You got time. You're young. It's okay. Just graduate our program and you'll be okay. Just do your time. I mean, no, there's always a price to pay. And then when you run, you're going to cause storms for others. In verse 4 through 12, it says when he got in the boat, he was running away from, from the Lord. But it said the Lord caused wind, a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm to hit that boat. And it says, fearing for our lives, the sailors shouted, help, and they threw all their cargo out. You know what they threw out? Everything they had to live on. I mean, no, when you run from God, you affect people around you. You affect them. When you run from your assignment, then you're insensitive to others. When you're running from God, God, you didn't call me. And then you're mad at everybody, right? You snap at, you snap at the dog, and it's not even yours. It's your neighbor's, right? And, and you're mad. Remember in verse 6, he said, so the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up. He was insensitive now. How many know God's called us to work with people? And we have to be sensitive, amen, when we're working with people. But when you're running the opposite way, when you're running from the call of God, people get you mad. No, God, I'm, I'm still learning how to love people. Well, how are you going to learn how to love people? He's going to send those that are unlovable your way. A man anointed can be at the wrong place. This is what Jonah shows us. The right place matters as much as the anointing. Jonah was the man of God. He was anointed, but he was in the wrong place. And because he was in the wrong place, everybody around him was getting affected by his choices. Amen. And so I want to encourage us today that make the right choices. Run towards the Lord. Don't run in the opposite direction because either way, you're going to pay a price. 
See, you never have what God gives you. You only have what you're in position to receive. Oh, God, I want this. Then position yourself. If God's called you to be an usher, be your great, the greatest usher we have. Position yourself. If he's called you to take a city, man, position yourself there. That way you come up the ranks and then all of a sudden you're, you're going and there's an anointing on your life. How many know when you're not where you belong, your weakness will flourish? Some of you are struggling with your weakness because you're running away from God. You're not where you belong. So that's why your weakness keeps flourishing. Man, it's coming out. It's coming out. Some of you are right now saying, no, where does it say that in the Bible? I'm glad you asked. 1 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. We all know the story of David, right? It says in spring at the time when kings went off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israel. It said they destroyed the Amorites, besieged Rabbi, but David remained, continued in the same state in Jerusalem. When he was supposed to go out to battle, he stood back. And because he stood back, all of a sudden his weakness flourished. What happened? The Bible says that he was walking on the edge of his roof. The edge represents, let's see how close to the world I can get. And then he's seen Bathsheba. She was bathing. So he decided to make a decision, do something opposite of his assignment. When you're not where you belong, you will look at things you're not supposed to look at. Let me say that again. When you're not where you belong, you will look at things you're not supposed to look at. If he was out in war, he wouldn't have been looking at Bathsheba. Then if you read the whole story, it says he inquired of her. I mean, our weakness comes out. Well, let me inquire of that. What is on this computer here? Or what is over here? I'm I'm only sending her a scripture. I'm only sending him a scripture. No, you're not. You're you're trying to move in. You think you're smooth. And, and, And the reason why your assignment is so important is because it's the only place you will flourish. When you're doing what God's called you to do, then you're allowing God to shape you and mold you to become the man or the woman of God that he's called you to do, to be. You will only excel when you're where you belong. Some of you are wondering, why ain't anything happening? Then maybe you, you need to evaluate yourself. Am I where God wants me at? Because if I'm where God wants me at, I'll be excelling in the things of God. Amen. How many are still with me? My third point. They don't want the season of preparation. I mean, this is where people give up preparation. I want the call, but I don't want to pay the price. Oh, I already know how to do it. I mean, maybe you're here and you feel like life is standing still. Maybe you're here and and it seems like nothing's changing. Or maybe you're here and it seems like God has forgotten you. No, he's simply taking the time to prepare you for a specific task, for a future opportunity. Preparation along with obedience and service is part of God's process for the seasons of growth. Most people are not willing to go through the preparation season. Because when God prepares you, guess what happens? Uh, Our weaknesses are exposed instead of our strength. God, I thought you're shaping me. Yeah, he's squeezing you. So whatever's inside of you is going to come out. It's like toothpaste, right? How many have toothpaste and you squeeze in? Whatever's in there is going to come out. That's why some of you, when somebody gets you mad, then you cuss. Oh, where did that come from? It was in you. 
And then you like to blame the other person, right? See what you made me do? And God is saying, no, I'm only trying to get out what's in you because you're in the process. I'm preparing you for something great. And where I'm going to take you, that can't come out. It's you at your worst, not at your best. Many people want everything right now. God, I'm called. God, I'm ready. But you can't even handle the test. You can't even pass it. That's why you keep going in circles. Oh, I've been saved seven years. Yeah, but you've been, actually, you've been saved one year going through the same test seven years. Because if you pass that test, guess what? You're going to go to the next level. Many people want everything now. Waiting is the seed of trust. We are created for movement, so we must continually make ourselves aware of today is not the future, amen? And and, and so the present right now is for qualification. God is preparing us right now. He's preparing us. Some of you say, well, I've been doing this for so many years, and you got the knowledge, but God is still preparing you. Some of you are saying, well, I'm ready for it. If you were ready uh, for your assignment, you would already be there. Look at your neighbor and say, man, he's cold. He he, he said that straight to you, amen? Because a lot of people say, I'm ready to preach. If you were ready to preach, you'd be here. Oh, I'm already, no, you would be there. See, you're not in your future because you're not trained for your future yet. God has to prepare you in the season, amen? If your future is different from your present, then you must have more training to excel and be qualified. Training means you want to prepare for your future. We don't know it out. I've been serving the Lord 41 years, and I'm still learning, realizing I don't know it, anything about God. Because when I think I know it, he shows me a whole nother, like, wow, God, that's, 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 that's too much, you know. Psalms 37, 23 says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Every detail. We can't say, God, here's my life right here, because everybody has in their house that one room you throw everything in the closet, right? Don't look at me like that. I know who I'm talking to. People come over, just throw it in the closet, throw it in the closet, right? And we do the same with the Lord. When God comes, oh, God, look at all these areas. You got, but he says, what about that one area you're hiding everything in? He delights in every detail of our lives. And when we understand that, we're going to say, God, you are the one who opened the doors. Revelation 3, 7 says that, that what he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. I mean, when you understand what you're called for, there's going to be a passion in you. There's going to be a passion in you. You won't have to look for inspiration. Too many, oh, I need something to inspire me. No, what about God's purpose? What, what about God's assignment? What, what about God's call? That alone should fire you up because nobody else wanted us. Nobody else trusted us. Nobody else gave us anything. But when we got saved, God said, son, daughter, I give you everything I have because I called you to do something great. Passion is the reward for finding where you belong. When you find where you belong, there's going to be a passion. It's going to be automatic. You're not going to be, have to be looking for it. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, For who has known the mind and purposes of the Lord so as to instruct him? But it says, We have the mind of Christ to be guided by his thoughts and purposes. 
See, every instruction from God is designed to make us want to get closer to him. That's why he says, get up and pray. Read my word. Love like me. Why? He's trying to get us to be like him. But a lot of times we don't want to be like him. Amen. A a lot of times we want to do what we want to do. God, I know I'm called, but I'm not there yet. Why aren't you there if he's given us everything we need to get there? Think about that. If you're not doing your best now, unless there's a dramatic change, you will not be doing your best a month from now. Everything you do will either help prepare you for your assignment or take you farther away from it. So some of us are doing the same thing like January. Oh, I want to pray more, but I haven't. I want to read more, but I haven't. And then we wonder why we're still in the same place. I put this down in my notes. Mediocrity begins when you get tired of doing your best. I'm not going to give my best no more, God. I'm just going to give you what I'm comfortable with. And then we wonder why we don't get breakthroughs. See, the greatest reward of doing our best is the absence of regrets. How many of us could look back in our lives and say, man, I wish I would have done that? I'm not talking to married couples. I wish I didn't marry them. That's not what I'm talking about, man. You got your marriage. You got to grow through it. Amen. Come on, somebody. I mean, no, preparation is getting everything out of you that accepts the lower level. That's what God is saying. I I need to prepare you the season of preparation because I got to get all that stuff that's going to have you compromise. To have the best, uh, you must be willing to work. Because what God calls us to do is going to require all of us, everything we have. My last point, your success depends on your ability to embrace correction. See, now I just lost half of you. Do you get mad when somebody corrects you? You know how you're not, let me give you an example of somebody that can't accept correction. Well, who told you to tell me that? That's a sign you can't accept correction. Oh, did it come from pastor? That's a sign. You know? When you're open to correction, you're going to receive it from everybody. It doesn't matter. Because you got to understand that God isn't the one in control. So if he's allowing it to happen, he's trying to teach us something. But a lot of times, we don't want to embrace correction. See, you must embrace correction as a gift. How many ever heard that? Rebuke me because I love presents. See, when we embrace correction, it's a gift that protects. A lot of times they'll come in and bring correction. Hey, you're going there because they're trying to protect you. They see you going down the wrong road. They, They see you doing things that you're not reaching your full potential, but all of a sudden you don't like to receive correction. Correction is a gift that removes tears, saves you from pain if you listen. It helps you prepare for your assignment. You must stay open and ready to receive correction. The ability to receive correction plays a major part in our lives. If you're going to get hurt because they corrected you, I'm leaving the church. This is like the fifth church you've been at. You're going to run out of churches? See, every time we embrace correction, it's an opportunity to bring increase into our lives. 
That's what it does. It brings increase. It brings profit into our life. It brings change into our life. A lot of people don't want to embrace it. Uh, they don't like to embrace correction. That's why we have a lot of geniuses in the ghettos at the liquor store. You walk out, Jesus loves you, and they start quoting scripture to you, and they know more scripture than you. Geniuses. But what happened? They couldn't embrace correction, so they left. They left. We must invite correction into our lives. Amen. We'll say, God, when the way we get corrected should not be determined by how it comes. Well, if you would have corrected me in a nicer voice, <laughs> sissy. He told me and it was rude because that was like the seventh time he told you. See, it shouldn't be determined by how it comes. It shouldn't be uh, embraced. Amen. We should embrace it. What correction have you ignored? Think about that. When we look at the appointed, the, our appointment, our assignment, it's not your decision. It's your responsibility to, 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 to discover it. You're called. But unless you get in your word, unless you pray, amen, unless you get under a, a men of God, woman of God, men with men, women with women, and say, I know I'm called. I need help. I need help. And you have to get with somebody you trust. Not somebody that's a gossiper because then everybody knows your business. Amen. Somebody you trust and somebody that's going to pray with you. Somebody that's going to hold you accountable where you can say, you know what, man, I'm called of God. I got an assignment. Who's going to be the next people, persons, couple, young person to rise up and say, Pastor, you can count on me because I want to be intentional now. Now you know you're called. You can't be ignorant. So you got no more excuses. You can't be ignorant no more. See, some of you are mad. I knew I should have stood home. Too late. You know now. So we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit, no matter where you go, you're not going to be able to sleep right. Amen. Until you surrender. No more partial obedience. Oh, God, I'll, I'll serve you halfway. God says, no, I, I need everything. When you were in the world, you didn't half-step nothing. Right? You were at the club. When the club closed down, when they said last call for alcohol, you filled your table up. I know who I'm talking to. When the party was over, it wasn't over. It was, you found somebody's house to go to. Right? When you, when, when you did dope, you were on the run seven days a week. You didn't go home to change. You didn't go home because your hair was messed up. You know, went like that, you know, and you fixed it, right? Turn your shirt around. You thought that was it. You were sold out. Why can't we be sold out for the things of God? Amen. Why can't we say, God, here I am. I'm no longer going to be partial obedience to you, but I'm going to give you my all, God. Accept the seasons of preparation as everyone stands. God is preparing some of you, some of you here. There's couples that are here. And you keep looking at your spouse like waiting for them to make another mistake. But God says, trust the process. 
If I believe in them, if I trust them, why can't you? Why can't you? Work on yourself and let God work on your spouse. Because he's the one that called them, not you. Maybe you're here and you say, man, I I drifted from God, from the assignment. I had a hunger before, and man, January, are you ready? I was fired up, but here we find ourselves at the end of February, and I'm still doing things the same way. I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you to say, from this time on, God, no more partial obedience, God. I'm going to give you everything, God. I'm going to believe you, God. I'm going to be sold out. I'm going to go through the process, God, that you have me in right now. So what I want to do is I want to open up these altars. If you're here and say, you know what, I need prayer. I want you to come to the front. We're not saying we're messed up. All we're saying is, God, I want to embrace the process. I want to embrace correction, God. Maybe you're here as, as, as a couple, as a family member. Come up with your family and say, God, use us together. Hallelujah. When you're here, just lift up your hands. Just say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Tell him where you're at because he knows. Some years you just need a break. You haven't cried for a long time. And he said, man, son, I know, I know where you're at. I know the hurt. I know the pain. Daughter, I know where you're at. I, I know the pain. I know everything you're going through. He says, but I didn't make a mistake with the things that are happening around you. That's the process. And in the process, uh, learn to just surrender to it because I'm shaping you. I'm, I'm molding you. I'm making you into that man, that woman of God that I called. Nobody else called you, but I called you. Holy Spirit, we pray right now a liberty here at these altars. I pray you fall down right now, God. Men and women here and couples that are here, even those that didn't come up, God, I pray right now you begin to touch, God. You begin to strengthen, God. You begin to give the assurance that you didn't make a mistake. As the worship team plays, and we're going to go down and we're going to pray for you.